1: Hello. Hello. Podcast Network Asia.
2: This episode is brought to you by Podmetrics. Podmetrics is a podcast analytics platform that enables podcasters to see all the relevant data they need to know about their podcast's audience. Sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code RESTING2XPOD. Again, the code. Wrestling 2x5. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, aka Austin Creed. I said, give me the hell yeah. Hey,
1: this is Zayda Zay. Hello, WWE Universe
2: in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. Talent is not. Sexually transmitted. You need to go back to the drawing board because your game absolutely sucked. Hey everyone, this is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast.
0: You are listening to the longest running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Stan C, and Chino Liao all together on this special audio-only episode. And for this week on the show, we've got another international guest in the 21st Century Success Story, Matty Wahlberg. He's calling in from Sydney, Australia. And, well, the reason why we reached out to him was because I saw on Instagram that nah, he, he played young Ric Flair on Young Rock. But, you know, personally, there's also that connection to survivor because he was on Australian Survivor 2019 so that's why I was really pumped to get this interview going yeah so I'm on Rick Fla- uh, on Rick Flair, on young rock and uh, so I, I thought he, I thought his
3: role would have been bigger said so I thought from the first episode you got a lot of the the old wrestlers uh, reprising or you know being portrayed uh, in uh, young Rock's child life uh, young toddler life yeah so I thought that he could have gotten a bigger role. I think uh, he could have tried, but uh, as he says to us in the uh, on the interview, parang yun ang atayong magawa niya. Ba- ba-
2: spin off Young <laughs> Ric Flair young Rick. series, right? <laughs> like a spin off of
0: like Young Wild Samoans, the series. <laughs> down the road. It's a very interesting and fun conversation, especially for Chino and myself, both of us uh, who are part of that little intersection between wrestling fans and Survivor fans. And Maddie has some interesting insights as well on that little uh, intersection between both groups. So we'll get to all of that along with how he got cast on Young Rock, working with TJP and uh, what the exposure from Australian Survivor brings or brought to uh, PWA. Uh, He also gives us a bit of a snapshot at the wrestling landscape in Australia, which is way better than ours here in the Philippines for obvious reasons. So, sana all. (laughs) Yo,
2: you know, one of the things I uh, gained from my stay here in California, I'm still here, by the way. Uh, If you listen to this like three weeks later, Uh. I'm still here. (laughs) is that my brother has a fight account and now I know where to catch PWA uh, shows on so I will be checking that out in the near future
0: Yeah, I remember when the lockdowns first happened, I was catching PWA stuff on Twitch. So that was my source. So yeah, uh, they're actually available on so many platforms and Maddie will break down where you can catch PWA shows towards the end of the interview. But before we get to the main event, let's let our listeners know one of the ways you can keep supporting the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast and that is through your online shopping. All right, guys,
3: first quarter into 2021 and online shopping is still life. Anything you want and need, hashtag NASA Lazada. And you can help out the Wrestling Wrestling, Wrestling, Wrestling Podcast by uh, doing your online shopping on Lazada. All you have to do is use our affiliate link. That's tinyurl.com slash lazada. Again, tinyurl.com slash lazada. All you got to do is put that in your mobile phone's browser and then it will take you to the Lazada app and then Every purchase you make from there, uh, a portion of those will go to us to help us do what we do. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash wrestlingwrestlingxlazada. Please help us out. Thank you.
0: All right, it's time to get to the main event. Here's our interview with Matty Wahlberg. This week on the audio-only episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, we've got the 21st century success story calling in all the way from Australia, Matty Wahlberg. How's it
1: going, Matty? Man, life is good right now, you know, and usually when I do overseas podcasts, I'm up a little bit different, like up early in the morning. So this is like a nice time difference right now.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you making time for us. I had to double check what uh, what time it is in Sydney because the daylight savings time in Australia always confuses me.
1: Yeah, it confuses me too. So usually I just look out the window. It's still sunny, so I'm happy to do it <laughs> right now. <laughs> I remember
0: last year when Robbie Eagles was here in the Philippines uh, and, and we exchanged a few DMs. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm actually chatting with Maddie Wahlberg from Australian Survivor. So <laughs> the fact that this podcast is happening is really uh, has really gotten us excited here. But I want to talk about Young Rock first because uh, I, I was pretty surprised when I went on Instagram last week and I saw that you were dressed up as Ric Flair. And that you uh, you you played Flair on, on the show. So how did that all come about?
1: Yeah, that was like, you know, the childhood dream come true, like adulthood dream come true. That's what <laughs> that's what that was. Um there was a there was a post about like wanting wrestlers for a shoot for some TV show probably months ago that went around, obviously to, you know, when that comes out the wrestlers all send it to each other. But they were asking for guys like 120, 130 kilos. So it wasn't something that i ever applied for just because <laughs> You know, that, that's a big boy and, you know, I'm big, but I'm not that big. Right. But then they were kind of struggling to find what they wanted and they kind of wanted workers to be on the show. They wanted actual wrestlers so they didn't have to teach them how to wrestle. That part would be something that they already have down. Um, we've got a, hit, a guy here named Ben Anderson. If you've ever watched any of PWA's kind of promo clips and stuff recently, he's our go-to guy. He's in the film industry and he actually approached me and said, hey, they haven't found a flair yet. You should go for it. And everything kind of worked out from there. So I think I got very lucky. I was
0: watching the episode of Young Rock and in the credits, it said that filming took place in Brisbane. So is
1: every wrestler on the show Australian? Uh, a lot of the, the guys are in multiple episodes. So Andre, uh, the Wild Samoans, uh, I'm trying to think who else, uh, Junkyard Dog, like those guys are from overseas. So a lot of them are from the States. I think um, Arthur and Seeker are, are two blokes from New Zealand. But then a lot of the smaller parts, the the one-off episodes, they they used Australian wrestlers for it.
3: Oh, uh, so um, your role in the show is not that big because you're an Australian wrestler. Is that what you're? Is that what um, you're saying?
1: Yeah, technically, you know, there was there was no no words besides like a okay. sneaky woo that they kind of put in there. Um, it was just for that. You know, there was like a 30 second, 60 second type of type of clip, which is kind of crazy because like with our quarantine at the moment, I had to I had to hotel quarantine. For two weeks uh in queensland for that one and a half days of shooting so that 90 seconds that you see actually was like two and a half weeks of my life wow <laughs> wow. wow
3: i mean that was a cool role but uh can we can you say if we'll see your rick flair more in future episodes of the show
1: i think i think rick flair has done his part um <laughs> on the show and it's funny because I thought it was just like a little thing. No one would even think about it, but I've got Dave Meltzer and uh, Jim Cornette absolutely shitting on me at the moment for my Ric Flair. Wow. They hate it. Um, I think Cornette called me an anorexic Ric Flair. I was like, I was like 100 kilos, Jim. Come on, brother. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the negative, negative comments as well as the positive ones.
2: So how, so how hard did you have to practice your woos? Did you have to really lean into it or...?
1: I had two weeks in quarantine, so whoever was in the room next to me must have hated me because I was just sitting there all day. You know, because you want an angry woo, a happy woo, a long woo, a short woo. People you want to show cool. off that rage. Yeah, exactly. You know, you never know where Flair's going to be in the match, so you have to make it a little bit different.
0: I know that Young Rock is producing coordination with WWE, so did anybody from WWE corporate reach out to you to like uh, to be like, okay, this is how we're going to uphold the Ric Flair branding and the character and all
1: that? No, Brian Gerwitz, um, who does a lot of rock stuff, the former Royal uh, Rider, he was on set. Oh, so wow. he was kind of there if at any stage they wanted anything specific. But I said, the match that, that we kind of put together for the scene was very, very simple. You know, they just wanted to see a flare flop. They wanted to see the figure four um, and they wanted to see a woo. That was it. So it was, it, it was pretty simple. And then Chavo Guerrero, who was like the wrestling coordinator on set, he was also someone who would come in and if he had anything specific, but I've watched enough Flair matches in my time that I kind of knew what I was doing. But uh, according to Dave Meltzer, I had no idea. So maybe i point. <laughs> practice my Flair a little bit more. Yeah? Cause I think my abs are too nice. Flair never had abs like mine. So I think they were upset. I was in actual shape. <laughs> Like working with Chavo Guerrero
0: because he's got an extensive resume now in TV with his work on Glove, you uh, know, right before Young Rock, and also with his work in Lucha Underground. So, what's he like in this setup?
1: I was super excited to get to work with Chavo, and there was one—I was only there a few days, but there was one day where they wanted me to rehearse the scene with the guy who plays Rocky Johnson. His name's Joseph, because he actually wasn't a wrestler; he had no wrestling experience at all, and he was kind of thrust into the role. So I was working with someone who'd never wrestled before, which is a little difficult. And we were doing a rehearsal, but Joseph was late because he had other stuff he was filming. And I basically got like a two-hour seminar of just me and Chavo. And I got to ask him questions. He kind of like, we, we wrestled around a bit just because he, he kind of didn't know where I was at because I think they had some of the actors come in were wrestlers but didn't actually know how to wrestle but he was amazing and he's just like just little advice and just everything you can pick up from him was fantastic. So I'm, I'm really happy that I got to meet him and at least pick his brain a little bit. Cause he, he knows wrestling.
0: What's the uh, biggest takeaway you got from that one-on-one seminar with travel?
1: The, the main thing I was taught, like I went really deep with him, like psychology and all that type of stuff. And, and cause he, you know, I really enjoyed him and Eddie as a tag team and tag team wrestling is something that uh, I've been trying to work on. And he, just had a lot of advice and really cool stories about tagging with Eddie and how, you know, they would never go into a match with a game plan per se. And a lot of the times they would go out there and just listen to the crowd and and work via the crowd, which, especially in a modern setting, that's not something that a lot of wrestlers do. And, and I do find that quite interesting. So that's the main takeaway I had about not going in with a, a plan that has to happen and going into your match and, and seeing what happens during it. Uh, Since you mentioned working with the crowd and trying to listen to them
0: I want to ask about the Australian uh, wrestling scene as it is right now How is it like? Are people going back to shows? Uh, How are the lockdown restrictions where you are?
1: Yeah, it's strange because you see stuff happening overseas Sydney's been pretty much COVID free for a while Even when we had cases You know, you had to sign into gyms And you could have to sit down at restaurants But everything has largely been open for eight months or so But now we're at a stage where we haven't had a case for a while and now we're opening up our bigger venue. So we just had our last PWA show at a place called the Factory Theatre and I think we had close to 300 people there for the show. So that was our first show in probably a year with a a sold-out, packed crowd and that that was a lot of fun because we've been running at our academy and we can fit maximum 100 if we're lucky there and before that we were doing shows just in front of each other like we were using the wrestlers as fans. So it's nice to finally have that atmosphere Uh, of a full packed crowd, because that's what wrestling's about. You know, it's not as fun when it's just you and your opponent and and a few people there watching.
0: What was it like being backstage or being in the locker room and then knowing that this was your first show in front of actual people in eight months?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. Like, it was just, it was fun. It's like, this is kind of why we do it. You know, as much as we love the wrestling aspect, the entertainment aspect and the being able to perform and have people enjoy what you're doing, is probably the main reason why we do it. So I was just buzzing to finally have that energy because a lot of times with a crowd, you reciprocate what you're given. So if the crowd's super into it and they're super intense, like you want to give that back. So I was just like excited to get, get in front of that again.
0: In terms of the business side over in, uh, in Australia, how did the company struggle and try to adapt given that you know there weren't a lot of shows with uh, people in the audience?
1: Yeah, obviously that's a, a, a big part of our business model. Uh, we still had the school running, uh, but even then we have to close that down for a little bit, so everything kind of changed. But lucky for us, we're one of the only companies in Australia that has live streaming, so we can actually live stream our shows so people from all over the world can watch it as it's happening and even with people at home. And not a lot, a lot of companies can do that, so we went out and we, we still got to have some shows, and then we actually taped a tournament, uh, so we did the PWA Premiership recently, uh, and we actually taped that in three days. So we did the whole tournament. I think everyone had about seven matches and we take that in three days and then released it weekly. So we had wrestling content when pretty much outside WWE and AEW, there was no wrestling content worldwide. So we just kind of did what we had to do to stay relevant and almost used it as an opportunity to try and break out even though it was a difficult circumstance. So you mentioned
2: the, the adjustments you guys had to make during the pandemic. How hard was the turnaround for the product and the content you wanted to put out? Like, was it hard to come up with ideas on the spot? Did streaming just come naturally and all that?
1: We're lucky. We've we've had the streaming going for a while. We're on a thing called Ovo, uh, which we did for about two years. It wasn't necessarily like a big site, but that was the first thing we did. Now we've we've basically gone on to fight. Um, but creatively wise, it was the pandemic was almost a positive as si- silly as it sounds, because you've got to have a break from the wrestling. Your body gets to take a break, which for wrestlers is very rare and very welcome to like not feel like shit getting up in the morning every morning. But creatively, it kind of pushed us. There's a group of probably 10 to 15 of us at PWA who were there three, four nights a week, the same people in and out. And we just wanted to get back in there. Uh, So creatively, I would say it was actually a good thing. It it gave us time to, to really get back and train as hard as we wanted to. We're taking a quick break from our interview with
0: Matty Wahlberg. So before we ask him about how training is like now in this new normal in Sydney, let's take a moment to tell you about a special offer we have for you just because you're a listener of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. We're giving you 50 pesos off your first delivery on Mr. Speedy, whether it's on mrspeedy.ph or on the Mr. Speedy app, which you can download on the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, and the Huawei Mobile Gallery. All you have to do is use our promo code WWP Mister Speedy. Again, that's WWP MR S P E E D Y for fifty pesos off your first Mister Speedy delivery. And this offer is available to Metro Manila, Cebu, Davao, or any nearby province. So once again, get fifty pesos off your first Mister Speedy delivery now using our promo code WWP Mister Speedy. And now, a quick word from our other podcasts on Podcast Network Asia. Unfiltered, unhinged, raw and uncut, this is the flavor of Flick Off. In each episode, we will talk praise Praise.
2: and smack on films, both local and international,
0: dishing out a heaping serving of juicy tidbits, insights, and innuendos in between. Our goal is to flip the boat. And shake the industry by giving voice to the general viewing audiences, skewing the pretenses of academic critic circles.
2: This is Uncle Farouk, Kyla, Dos, and Is. And we
0: are Flick Off.
3: Powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics.
0: How about the students? How were they able to adapt? Uh, because, you know, you guys did have to close the gyms and I'm sure that there must have been some ring rust after all that time on the bench.
1: Yeah. See, I'm lucky. I'm a coach at PWA now. So I have keys to the venue. So i was still, you know, even though gyms were closed, there's some equipment at our venue. So we organize a timetable for people to go by themselves. But as soon as restrictions finished, so the first time it was like, now you can exercise outside. So then we started holding our wrestling classes at a park near our training venue. And we were doing more cardio and and, and group activities and things like that. And then when you could train inside, but there was a 15 person limit, we did multiple classes a night rather than one. So we did whatever we had to do to make sure that everyone that wanted to turn up could. And our numbers stayed pretty consistent, which is crazy considering, you know, everything that was going on.
0: So when you say that numbers are consistent, uh, do you mean that uh, there are still new people enrolling and
1: signing up for classes? At first it was just like our, our core group and then also some of our newer trainees. But then I think probably, Six months ago now, we got to have our first proper tryout in in, in a while and and we got close to 20 students from that who are coming consistently every week still. And for anyone who knows wrestling, a lot of times you'll start with a big class and then as you start doing things and they realize, oh, this sucks, like this kind of hurts, the the numbers dwindle. Uh, But for some reason, we had almost that full class pass on to our next stage and they're super, super keen and there's some real talent there. So for us on the shows too, it's kind of exciting to see their their passion and how they want to train so hard. And we're like, oh, well, you know, we used to be like that. We should be like that again. So that was a lot of fun, but it was, there was a bit of a gap between getting those new people in.
0: It it seems to me like, I, I guess there are people who are feeling like, this is my second shot at life. I better make the most out of whatever opportunity just why uh, they didn't want to drop out of, of
1: training. Yeah, yeah, and it was, there was noticeable. There were some people, you know, you didn't see for a few months and you can understand why, like, I think the whole quarantine situation put people's lives in perspective and a lot of people realize, you know, I have my family, I have my friends, and I want to focus on that, I have other things. And then there were some of us who realized it doesn't matter what it is, like our dream, our goal is, is to be a wrestler and be one of the best and we're not going to stop. Uh, so we kind of saw how bad people wanted it. Okay. You know, right. Some people were willing to go through the hardship and like deal with the tough stuff and, and say, no, nah, I'm still a wrestler. And there were some people who said, you know what? It's not worth it. Like this isn't for me. And and I can understand both perspectives.
3: I, I got a question about that because we got people here. Obviously we can't train mm-hmm. yet. There are still restrictions over here and people are trying to train. Some of my fellow trainees are trying to train. They're trying to roll and maybe bump at home. What do you suggest for those kids coming from you, a yeah. coach? What do you suggest for those guys who are raring to go, but they just can't.
1: I remember that was the worst. And we were doing like zoom. I'm sure you guys kind of do similar. We were doing like zoom wrestling training yeah. sessions. And yeah. it's just like, it's just weird. It's, it's like so hard to train wrestling without actually being to be physical. My main thing was when I realized I couldn't train, I didn't do the rolls and the bumps. Cause I don't think you can train them outside a ring. Like, I've seen people bumping (laughs) on grass before and I'm like, you just hurt yourself lad. So my thing during quarantine was I was just like, I want to get in the best shape I can. And I took up running. Like I've always enjoyed running, but I was like, I'm going to go full in. And I was every day I was doing 10 K and trying to beat my time. And I went all in on the running, just thinking this is something that I can do to help the wrestling in some way. So I kind of forgot about the roles and all those things that we usually have to do. And I did, I did running. I did, uh, I started doing yoga. I was like, if I can't train for wrestling, I'll at least put my energy into something that I know will benefit my wrestling in some way down the line. So I kind of like took care of my body instead.
0: I want to talk about your career and how this all started. So uh, who or what made you want to become a
1: wrestler in the first place? Uh, so this story is kind of weird because I've watched wrestling since I was seven. Like a lot of people, like I I had WCW is what I had. So I watched WCW and, and just... A lot of my friends stopped liking wrestling and I still loved it. And, you know, most people then when they're 18, they start training and go from there, but it just didn't work for me. I started doing MMA and that kind of became my new goal, my new love. I went down that path. I traveled overseas. I lived overseas. I did all these things. And then I got to a stage, I was 24. And I was like, I still want to be a wrestler. I'm either going to do it now or I'm never going to do it. So I actually started training a lot later than most people did. But um, once I did start, it was like, ah, oh, this, is, this is the one thing that's been mi- missing for me. But I'm kind of lucky in a sense because I got to live a normal life for a few years. Uh-huh. And now I'm doing the wrestling. A lot of people, you know, you start when you're 18 and your whole life is, is wrestling. Like, I've, as much as I wish I trained earlier, I kind of am thankful that I, I got to go out and, and live my life a certain way because now I can go 100% on the wrestling and I have no regrets. Who were the wrestlers that you latched onto? Like the ones that you'd say were really your influences? mm uh, the, the first one who really got me was like Shawn Michaels. I was always a smaller kid so obviously like a lot of people I was like wow have a look at that guy and then when I was a teenager I really got into like American indie wrestling and that was like my thing um, so like Ring of Honor CZW, PWG like that's what I like to watch and I guess I was that wrestling fan who was like oh it's not WWE look how cool this is like I was that <laughs> guy um, <laughs> so like Ring of Honor I was like AJ Styles was like the one. And that got me in like TNA as well. So a lot of those like American indie style wrestlers were the ones that I gravitated towards. And they're the ones I would say even today have the biggest influence on my career and kind of the way I wrestle is off that late 2000s, you know, mid 2010s, that American indie style. So... You mentioned your influences in the ring. Does
2: the MMA background you have play a factor in it? Or are you just strictly a professional wrestler?
1: It's definitely something I'm using more now. At first, with the character that I was portraying, I didn't really have to use that type of stuff. I guess my character was a bit cowardly. And move-wise, I didn't use any. But as I've kind of progressed, I've I've, I've used it more, especially because it's something that can differentiate me from a lot of wrestlers. You know, a lot of wrestlers will do MMA style kicks and things like that. But if they don't have that background, I can tell the difference. And I think some other people can. So it's something that I'm using a lot more now. And it's something I just, it's fun. I missed, you know, having, being able to uh, do MMA and Jitsu. So adapting it into the wrestling has mean like I kind of get to do it again, which is a lot of fun.
0: Uh, I first heard of you when you showed up on Australian survivor and I Googled your name and what came out was the 21st century success story. So that's the character, but how do you yeah. break it down? Or like, uh, what's the 21st century
1: success story all about? Well, if you talk to anyone who, who's met me, it's pretty much because it is me and you know, they say wrestling's your character, your character should be you turned up to 10, but they're very similar, me and, and, and the character at first I wanted to do like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like Geordie Shaw all those like kind of reality shows. Like that was where I yeah, kind of yeah. saw my character. Right. Um, but largely what I'd say is my character is just like a cocky jock. You know, I love sport. I love watching sport. So I use a lot of my sport influences on, on in the wrestling. And then I've kind of got the MMA background too. So basically I'm a guy, I just like to have a good time and I like to, to compete. And whether it's wrestling or any other sport, I'm a guy who likes to compete. So that's the simple way to put it, I would say.
0: I've seen some clips of you where you come out to the ring and you're in these NBA jerseys. Is that a babyface move or a heel move over in Australia?
1: So <laughs> I, I, I don't do the, like, I remember Cena when he used to have jerseys, when he was a heel, he would wear like the Jersey that's opposite. And I have done that. There's certain occasions where like when I wrestled in Melbourne for MCW, I came out in a, a Sydney Kings Jersey to kind of throw in their face, but largely the jerseys are just either people that inspire me or the Jersey represents the story. That I'm trying to tell on the night but the jerseys a lot of times are more for me than they are for the audience like I I just like to to show thanks for the for the people that kind of like I get my uh, inspiration from uh when you wrestled TJP was
0: that uh 2019 Uh, if I remember correctly when you wrestled him which jersey did you come out in because I know TJP is also huge into basketball
1: yeah he is and it was funny because we we got to chat a little bit and we did talk about passport. I can't even remember what jersey I had for TJP it'll come to me eventually But yeah, there was one I really wish I wore though because he told me a story that I didn't know that there's a show from a movie called Little Giants from my childhood. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's like a- Yes, Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one. And I have a jersey of hot hands and he's the guy who he puts like hot glue on his hands to try and catch the ball. And then he gets stuck to his jersey. (laughs) And I have the jersey with the handprints (laughs) <laughs> it. what I didn't know and that TJP told me is that he was actually in the audition process to play the character of Spike in the movie and almost got the part and I, it just blew my mind and wow. I was like I wish I wore that jersey tonight it would have made a lot of sense
0: yeah because TJP was a child actor back in the day right? yeah right. I
1: never knew and so he, after the show he was telling me <laughs> it, and I was just like couldn't believe it I was like that's one of the coolest stories and he just doesn't look like Spike I'm just like well you just you just like an angry kid or something. So I couldn't picture him being in that character. What was it like working with him? It was really cool. And I like, as I said previously, I love the American indie style and TJP is someone who kind of is the perfect example of that. He has wrestled everywhere. He's done everything that I want to do. So getting to be in there with him was, was a real treat and something I really look forward to, but it's also a lot of pressure because I know he goes, state to state in the U S and country to country. And he works whoever, you know, their next guy is, you know, someone that they want to get this opportunity. Uh, So you want to prove yourself to him. You don't want to go in there and and have him think, Oh, that guy's okay. Like you want him to be impressed. So I wanted to impress him. Um, Probably the funniest story I have to tell about him is before the match, he was kind of asking me about the crowd and he was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, Everyone kind of knows who I am, so I assume the crowd will will, will like me. And I was trying to tell him, like, yeah, PWA is you know very interesting, where the crowd really likes the PWA guys. Um, and he was like, well, "We'll see." And then we got out there, <laughs> and you're uh, lucky you said I can swear. Yeah. We got yeah. In the ring, and within about five seconds, the crowd was chanting, "TJ's a shit cunt." <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me with his eyes like. He couldn't believe it, and th- that crowd at the Max Watts where we do a show is like a, a concert venue. So it's like a square, and you have people on uh, the top layer, so that all the noise just goes down, and the crowd's going "fuck you, TJ," like <laughs> over and over. And I, I laughed. I looked at, and you can see in the in the match, I look at him and I kind of give him a smile, like "I told you, brother, <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're different here." So that was a, a really fun experience. But overall, just getting to wrestling was. It's just different being in there with a guy like him. It is different. There's a different pace. Uh, Everything feels different. It's just like he is world class and you can see it obviously, but until you feel it as a wrestler and just feel how different it is, it's just like it shows you where you want to kind of go towards. I want to ask you about
0: the uh, the PWA crowd because it seems like there's some sort of home court advantage for the PWA guys as you described it. So uh, where does that come from and why do PWA fans have that loyalty towards the PWA guys and girls?
1: It's funny because for a long time, PWA didn't have that audience. We would do shows in different venues around Sydney and you would see a few of the same people. We did kid shows like it was... We really didn't have much momentum and then we did a show with osprey um, in the city so obviously in the middle of sydney you've got bars around restaurants people went out they could have a drink go to the show and then we found max watts which is in the middle of the city and just the venue just has this kind of like mystique to it just because as i said before it's everyone's kind of in tight and close so the noise is just right on top of you and we kept doing shows at the same venue which for wrestling, especially independent wrestling is huge. You think of like PWG had the American Legion Hall and that was known as this is the PWG venue. And I think independent companies need that where the fans know this is their home base. And we had the same fans coming every month. They started selling out and they came and they just knew it was going to be a good time. Uh, so over, I think because we kept hanging at the same place, they started to know the PWA guys. And when we brought in people from interstate or from overseas, Besides probably Orange Cassidy, I think he's the only person that the crowd (laughs) stayed with. Other than that, the crowd really likes the PWA guys and girls. So you mentioned
2: how important the fans are to any of your shows. Any independent wrestling promotion is only worth their salt in actual fan attendance. Can you tell us how big a factor they are in your shows? Like. I know for a fact that Australian sports fans in general are just pretty rowdy themselves. So is it the same way during your shows?
1: Yeah. And de- and I guess as I said, cause we're in the city now we'll have fans organize a meetup like four hours before the show. They'll have something to eat. They'll have a few drinks. So they come into the show. They're already kind of lit. There's a bar there at the show too. They have a few more drinks. It's an over 18 show. So the product that we put on is different. We're catering to a specific audience. We don't have to, dumb down the wrestling for like children that you would do normally at shows. And I think they're thankful for that. So they give back what we give them. And and for me personally, like I was always a bad guy, like the crowd didn't like me. And then I think they started to notice how much I, I invested in them and how much I gave. And they are the one, I owe a lot of my wrestling career to them because I had a match against a guy called caveman. Ugg. He was the big champion babyface, and I went in and that crowd booed him out of the building and got behind me wow. super hard out of nowhere. And that one match completely changed everything for me. Um, that one match put me in positions that I probably wouldn't have been in otherwise and maybe wasn't ready for. So I owe so much to that audience. I'm very thankful for them.
0: We're taking one last break from our conversation with Maddie Wahlberg to tell you about how you can support the podcast through your online shopping, and this time, it's through Shopee. So you can help
2: out our podcast by using our unique referral code at tinyurl.com slash WWPXShopee. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash WWPXShopee type that into your browser and it'll lead you to the Shopee app and for every successful at the cart and checkout you do we get a little something something on the side to help keep the lights on here at the Wrestling Wrestling
0: Podcast so do that shop away and help us out and now another word from our other podcasts on Podcast Network Asia now hold on just a minute playa that's a Teddy Long reference for you If you're probably wondering how a few wrestling fans who put together a podcast for their love of wrestling have been able to collab with brands here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, well, the answer is simple. We use Podmetrics. So if you have a podcast, no matter what the size is, you can sign up now at podmetrics.co, that's P-O-D-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot C-O, and use our referral code, wrestling2xpod. All caps One word That's W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G The number 2 The letter X And the letters P-O-D Again Wrestling2XPod All caps One word And hey It's a great way To show support For the show as well Now if you're an advertiser And you want to collab with us On the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast Who are we to say no? You can head on over To advertiser.podmetrics.co And fill up the form Again that's Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. When you were introduced in Australian Survivor, they portrayed you as living this double life between being a teacher and being a pro wrestler. So what was that like? Um, Did the people at school know that you were a wrestler?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hid it for a long time at school. Like my my principal knew. But obviously like... The way I look, I'm rocking up to school and I've got, you know, bleach blonde hair. Sometimes I'd come to school with a black eye or a cut or whatever I had from the weekend. So there was a lot of lying going on. Um, <laughs> and then there was it was probably a year before Survivor where PWA did something with a local TV show here and I got on getting interviewed and one kid saw it, sent it to everyone, and by the Monday – at school, as everyone everyone's been to school, everyone knows if something happens on the weekend. Monday morning, every, all the information comes in, and by that Monday, every kid was asking me about it, um, and I was just like, "Oh no!" My they found out, and as a as a teacher, you know, sometimes you don't want that aspect of your personal life coming out. You never know how uh, parents are going to react to, especially you have a character who loves drinking beer, playing beer pong, swearing, <laughs> making fun of people. But as a teacher i'm a little bit different to the to the wrestler obviously Um, yeah so it was luckily it was already out when survivor came on so it was more the kids were like super excited to watch me on tv for, for being on survivor basically are you still teaching now currently yes i do what what's called casual or substitute teaching just with the wrestling like teaching takes a lot of time outside of school hours and at the moment i'm completely focused on on the wrestling so I just go in a few days a week, help out that type of thing, just because wrestling is what I want to do right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, what, what subjects do you teach?
1: I teach history and English at the moment. I just fill in for whatever, but history and English are my two my two favorite things. Everyone always says, "Oh, you, oh, you must be PE." I'm like, no just because i you know just because i'm athletic doesn't mean i'm not smart right
2: <laughs> of course <laughs> hey.
3: i did have you pegged as an english teacher so that that
1: all tracks <laughs> yeah my instagram perfect grammar every time
2: hey. <laughs> <A plus. laughs> Hey, So you have found yourself at a unique cultural midpoint, I guess you could say, in terms of wrestling and Survivor. Two two areas in the cultural landscape that are really known for their rabid fans. So in your experience, which one has the more vicious fandom? Is it Survivor or is it wrestling?
1: That's a good question because I started calling them Survivor Marks online, <laughs> I'll to explain to people that survivor fans are just wrestling fans. Like the way they, if they like someone, they are so behind them, they'll do anything for them. But if they don't like someone, they are like, they're mean. Like, I think yeah. I got more mean comments from survivor fans than wrestling fans. Like they went in on me and I, I loved it. But the one thing survivor fans don't know is that, you know, I have the ability to make you feel a certain way. And maybe, maybe I'm doing it on purpose. They don't understand that. So, Survivor fans, whatever they see, they believe. Whereas some wrestling fans now watch enough wrestling that they know sometimes a wrestler is doing something for a certain reason to make you feel a certain way. But they're both insane. They both do my head in There's some great Survivor and wrestling fans. There's some terrible wrestling and Survivor fans, but it's like any, any fan base really. How did you get on Survivor to begin with? Did you apply or were you recruited? So I I applied, I've always been a huge reality fan. Like I love Survivor, The Challenge, any type of competitive based reality show. And obviously for the wrestling, I was like, I was trying to think outside the box. Like how can I make myself worth more to PWA? Like I didn't want to be that guy who just kept asking for things. I was like, what can I do for them? And I was, I've always had a personality which would suit reality TV. And I, I applied for Survivor. I did like a, you have to just do a video send in a few questions. And, and for me, wrestling, I know how to talk to a camera. So I think that helped a lot, sending in just like a quick little promo, talking, and then you have probably like 60 interviews after, or Skype interviews, in-person interviews, phone interviews, before they eventually decide that, hey, you're on the car. So it was a long process, uh, but it was a lot of fun too.
0: So when when they cast you, uh, I remember you told this story on a different podcast or I think it was on Talking Tribal where you mentioned the Survivor producers went and watched you at a show, at a PWA show. So um, did they cast you with a specific archetype in mind?
1: I think I went in knowing what I wanted to do. I knew what would work for me to get TV time, what would work for my wrestling career and what would work for... I've watched enough reality TV where I knew an easy place for me to fit in. And I, I've told this story before too, but the the last big audition they do, they play mini Survivor. So they have 12 people they're thinking about casting. They bring them in a room. You do three mini challenges and then have a vote and you vote someone out. And it was like, on the it was crazy. But when we were there, you had to, at the end, you had to just say who you were and why you think you were going to be on Survivor. And everyone did the classic, like, oh, it's been my dream since I was eight to be on this show. Like just, Everyone said the same thing and I went in and I torched the room. I went one by one around the line and said, like, look at you. You've never been in a gym in your life. What are you beating me in? Are you being serious? you got video games. Like, I went down and I just torched them all. And I knew that no, no one goes into reality TV wanting to be the bad guy. But I was like, I'm more than happy to play that role. Uh, so I think they saw that I was happy to do that. And I have the ability to, to just talk and say horrible things about people that are also pretty funny. Uh, so I think both myself and the producers know knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. But you weren't the bad guy at all in your season.
0: Like, I remember I, I was clearly rooting for you because you were a wrestler. But even if you weren't a wrestler, I would have still found myself rooting for you, especially when you basically got swap fucked and you were in the
1: minority after the swap. I know. I ruined it. You know, at first it was easy to like... Try and play a character but when you're filming something 24 hours a day there's no one alive that can keep up a character that long so eventually i was just me and i kind of did a bit what wrestling fans would call a face turn early on everyone hated me (laughs) but then over time they kind of changed their tune and if things went a different way maybe i would have been there a bit longer i'm just bringing that up just like brings back bad memories (laughs) <laughs> I bad. My bad. bad. <laughs> okay. No, I can deal with it. I've moved on. I don't think about it. Right. Like I didn't make, I didn't make merge. That's okay. You know, that doesn't hurt me. I mean, you were there for like a month. That's not bad. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I, everyone who does Survivor won't admit it, but everyone just doesn't want to be the first out. That is your number one thing going in. Don't let me be first out. As long as I'm not first out, it doesn't matter. So I got past that. Um, so it was okay.
0: There was another wrestler on your cast and that was Dirty Harry or Harry Hill. So did the producers know that he also had this pro wrestling background when they cast the both of you on the same
1: tribe? I don't think so. Because talking to him, he he was similar to me where you present yourself as a character because that's what reality TV shows like. They like having a defined character. And he was the lovable ice cream man. And he didn't mention the wrestling to them. Okay. Then on day one, I turn up and after our challenge, we go back and he pulls me aside and he's like, I know you he goes, you're Maddie Warburg. And I was like, yeah, dude. And then turns out like he'd trained in uh, Perth with like Ricky South and Big Fudge and guys that I trained with. And we had this mutual connection and we knew similar people. And it just like, it just blew my mind. Cause I was like, I did not expect to meet another wrestler out here. Uh, but it was also really nice. Cause it means like we could chat and we kind of understood each other before things even begun.
0: Did you guys speak in wrestling slang, like just so people would understand what you guys were talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, we could sneak in those kind of things, like you know, um, people. If so, I think it was the first day. There was one girl who like was being super bossy, and I was like, Harry, she's gonna get some heat. <laughs> <laughs> no one else knows, but he knows what I'm saying. And we're like, hey, that girl's making, she's doing the wrong thing. Let's get rid of her. Uh, so that that was an advantage to be able to like sneak little things in that no one knew what we were talking about.
0: So when did, uh, when did the producers put two and two together that you and Harry did have this shared connection in the world of pro wrestling?
1: It, I think it was a few days in because obviously they're filming all the time so they must have caught that we were talking. And then they kind of did the thing where they pulled me aside, throw back the curtain on reality TV a bit. I will admit, Survivor, 100% real. Yeah. 100% real, this story goes against that, but it is real. Uh, and they are kind of like, maybe you and Harry could like wrestle on the beach a bit, like have a bit of a wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and i've seen there was a guy who did love island recently in australia who did that and was like wrestling people in the giving choke slams in the pool and that's i hate it like i'm not the i take wrestling very seriously so in my head i was like i'm not going on the beach and and doing suplexes and making wrestling look like shit like i'm here to show everyone that wrestling should be taken seriously i'm sick of it people mocking it and things like that so i was like they begged me like, do some funny wrestling stuff. And I was like, nah, unless you want me to hurt him, like I'm not, I'm not doing any of that wrestling stuff on the beach. But eventually you and uh,
0: Harry did parlay that into your own little feud and into that match, right? I think that was from early last year. Yeah, we did not too much. <laughs> so, so uh, what went into that? Like uh, what made you guys uh, decide to um, ride off the momentum of Australian Survivor All-Stars and then have Dirty Harry versus Maddie Wahlberg in front of the people?
1: Well, we always talked about it, but. Harry had um, retired. Yeah. So he was done with, with wrestling. So it was kind of a thing where I I, I just assumed that it was never going to happen. And then there's a, a promoter here called Mark Mercedes for a company called IWA, and he loves Survivor. He is obsessed. So when I came back, I never had to do ring Crew at all because he would pull me aside and just want to talk about Survivor. So all the boys hated me. <laughs> I got to get out of doing all the heavy lifting. But then I think it was when All Stars first aired, Mark messaged me and was like, Hey, do you think Harry would wrestle you? And I was like, Matt, I messaged Harry, and Harry's like, yeah. And within 24 hours, we'd pretty much put it all together. And uh, that's been Harry's one match back. Uh, pretty much, he hasn't. He, I don't think he wants to do the wrestling full time, but he he did want to get in there uh, and have one more uh, one more match. And I'm glad I got to be the person who had it.
0: When you went into Australian Survivor, did you watch uh, John Morrison or or John Hennigan and his performance in David versus Goliath?
1: I had watched that season before. I guess being a professional wrestler, you have a certain stigma when it comes to Survivor. Even being physically um, athletic or anything in Survivor can be a negative. So I kind of looked at what he did and tried to mimic it in a sense, trying to find relationships with people that you normally wouldn't. A lot of times I'll be connected to like, and I'll be attracted to people who have similar personalities. So someone like Sean, who's a former AFL player, we got along super well. Uh, me and Daisy, who you know, plays a lot of sport, we got along really well. But I was like, that's not going to win me Survivor. So I tried to find relationships outside that. So my first one that I made an alliance with was Sarah, who was a 45-year-old mum from Adelaide. And I was like, no one's going to think that I would ever work with her. So I was like, I'm working with her, very similar to what John did in his season. You know, He found those people outside his norm. But when, uh, when you joined, uh, or when you were on
0: that season, did you present yourself as Matt the teacher or as Matt the wrestler? Like to, the, first, uh, to the other players?
1: It was like Matt the wrestler. Uh, and it's funny because obviously I, I talked a lot of shit and, and I was really aggressive during the competitions and things like that. And the other team, the champions at first, were just like, who is this douchebag? And whenever <laughs> people- I think people went to like reward over on their their beach and they would come back, they hate you. Everyone there thinks you're the biggest dickhead. And then it was funny that when we did the tribe swap, Abby was like to me, she's like, you're nothing like I thought you were. And I was like, oh, surprise.
0: (laughs) How did it make you feel, though, that they cast you as a contender or as a David compared to all the champions on the other team where you had these legendary athletes? I mean, yeah, they were legends, but they were also athletes, and you were an athlete yourself, kind of like Sean Hampson.
1: Yeah. Look, I understood that champion technically meant celebrity. You know, they said it was champion, but it was basically like, oh, you know, I've done something in the past. So I love the contender status. That was part of the fun is, like, fighting back against these people who were perceived as champions and kind of showing them who we were. Like, I, and I think that's why I had such a natural rivalry with Luke. Cause when Luke came out, I hadn't watched his season and everyone okay. on my were like, Oh my God, look at, Oh my God, it's Luke. Oh my God. And I was like, I want that guy. I want like, I want to embarrass him. I want to show that I'm <laughs> much better than him. Uh, and I kind of like target him purposely. Cause it's like, if he's the guy that everyone's talking about, like I want, I want to be that guy. And that's like, that's kind of something about my personality, is is whenever I, someone is perceived as the best, they're now my competition. And I don't want to compete against people, you know, who I should beat. I want to compete against people that that that'll give me a challenge.
0: Let's bring it back to PWA because you said that you joined Survivor in the first place so you could help elevate PWA. So coming off of your season, uh, what type of hype and and publicity did PWA generate?
1: Well, it just brought new eyes to the the product that weren't there before they filmed at my match against caveman Ugg for obviously the promo package and stuff. So all of a sudden PWA content is on national TV. There is no other wrestling company in Australia who is on national TV in any capacity. Um, and I know we have fans who came to PWA the first time because they were survivor fans. And then it was PWA's job to then convert them into wrestling fans. And I know there's fans who have been coming consistently since, because of that. And even if it's people online, you know, there's people online who now follow PWA who followed me. Um, there's It's definitely opened up us up to a new audience. And I, I'm kind of noticing now that like there's more of these things happening. Like Sam Osborne was just on The Voice recently with, he, with his partner. He was on there. And, and a lot of TV shows are using PWA. We have some stuff coming up that I can't talk about where – Brands in Australia have seen that this PWA company can work well for them, that we're professional and that we understand what to do to be entertaining. They don't have to train us. They don't have to tell us what to do. We just do what we do and it works for them. So it hasn't just opened doors with fans. It's also opened doors with the Australian television industry and having people from that industry wanting to work with us more. That's really interesting
0: because uh, I guess that paints a picture of how mainstream Survivor is as a television show.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't know if it's it's similar where you guys are, but in Australia for years when wrestling companies got involved with television, it was the worst. It was so cringy and it just wasn't what wrestling is. They would get these companies who just wanted money and would do whatever they were told and it would come out so hokey and it was just embarrassing and it always – I hated seeing it because it made me feel sick knowing that someone who'd never watched wrestling would watch this and go, oh, look how horrible that is. Like that – how is that a wrestler? And I was like, I'm sick of that. And and I want to do something to change it. Uh, so Survivor, especially, you know, has huge ratings and it has such a rabid fan base who I think is somewhat similar, so similar to wrestling fans that it can convert naturally. So I'm just really, really happy. I got the opportunity and, and we got some positive things out of it. So you
2: mentioned your involvement with from the young rock, of course, and now PWA being involved with the local TV industry is acting something you're looking to get into at this point in your career.
1: Yeah, um, you know, after the reality stuff, there are other opportunities kind of down that track. Not necessarily acting, but reality things. And for me personally, like I'm a wrestler, like that. Right now, I'm all in. I want to be the best in Australia, and 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 I want to I want to do big things, and I can't invest. I personally don't want to invest time in those other things right now, because that means my wrestling is going to suffer. Uh, People always said like, Oh, you're a reality show guy. I'm like, no, I'm a wrestler who went on reality shows. So young rock was obviously a huge opportunity. So I I had to take it, but largely at the moment, wrestling is number one. And, and I think it has to be for me to be as good as I want to be. Why didn't they credit you using your ring name in the credits? I don't know. I don't think they like, I don't think they even understood. That, because obviously I have my real name, I have my worker name and all my emails, everything was with the worker name. So I thought that was all organized, Uh, but unfortunately they decided to go with my real name. It is what it is. You know, these opportunities, um, you can't really complain. So at least I got my name on the credits. That's the main thing.
0: I'm curious about what uh, Robbie Eagles uh, and the other coaches at PWA have said about
1: all this. You know, Robbie's the one who told me to do this show. He said you guys were a good time. So um, <laughs> I, think, I think like a lot of my friends, they were like, of course, like they assumed that I would eventually do something similar to this just cause it's, it's kind of my personality and I've almost done other reality things before. Um, I got asked to do a few dating shows, but it just wasn't for me. Like that's not my type of style. Um, but I think they loved it. And Robbie's like a huge survivor fan now. He'd never watched it because of you, my season, So then when All Stars was on, he was like ringing me on the way home from training going, oh, I can't believe they just voted Harry out. Why would that? And he's talking to (laughs) me about strategy. I'm like, I'm happy as well because I converted wrestling fans into Survivor fans because I love Survivor. It's just like it's the best show and I'm like, you should watch it. And people are like, nah. And now I've got friends and family who are massive Survivor fans because they had to watch me on it. So that makes me happy too. I converted both fan bases.
0: Hey, we've got a lot of love for Robbie Eagles on this podcast. I'm going to share this quick Robbie Eagles story because when he was here last year, um, we were dri- I was driving him to his hotel and there was like a 10 minute stretch where we were just talking about Survivor and being total marks about it. And I had to stop and tell myself, I am having a conversation with Robbie Eagles about Survivor. How crazy is this?
1: Yeah, Rob- Robbie's a great guy to have a chat to as well. And I'm not surprised that he was talking to you about Survivor because when it's on, that's all he talks about. Like he, he loves it. Um, and I don't know where that came from because he was never into it before. So I'm glad he's like, you got to have a chat to him about it because he loves talking to people and you know, not everyone knows about Survivor. So whenever he finds someone who does, he takes the chance.
0: As we wind down here, uh, you mentioned earlier that your goal is to be the best wrestler in Australia, but in terms of the big career goal overall, like when it's all said and done, what do you want to be most known for?
1: Mm, I like that question because that's not necessarily saying what is my goal, because I think everyone has the same goals, even though I won't admit it. Like, everyone wants to go to the WWE. Everyone wants to go to AEW. Everyone wants to be world champion. But I think something, and this is a reason why Australian wrestling is going so well at the moment, is myself and a few other people, our main drive is to make Australian wrestling better. And we want Australian wrestling to be known on a global stage. And whatever I have to do to to achieve that is what I want to do. I know I can only do so much while I'm here. To kind of get my name out there and show how good we are so my ultimate goal is selfishly you know I want to be the best but like as a whole wherever I end up whatever I do I want to represent Australian wrestling and have people look at Australian wrestling and be like that's world class because I genuinely think what we're doing at PWA right now is as good as any other wrestling product in the world and that includes WWE and AEW, those big companies, like production wise and everything. We have extremely professional and the wrestling we put on is high class. And and I want Australian wrestling to be to be the, the cool thing. Like, you know, like a few years ago, UK wrestling. Everyone talked about UK wrestling. Worldwide, everyone's like, UK wrestling is the best. I want that for Australian wrestling. I want everyone all over the world to be like, damn, those Australians are good. Like I want to go to Sydney to watch a PWA show. I want to go to Melbourne to watch MCW show. That's what I want um, for the scene here.
3: Right, I got a question. As a coach, uh, I've seen a lot of people tr- wanting to be wrestlers despite the pandemic not really allowing training. What are your, what is your advice to them uh, while
1: they wait out the the whole thing? I think the main the main thing you got to do is number 1 with wrestling you have to be patient. Um, I've been someone who hasn't taken that advice in the past, like as a wrestler and somebody who wants to be you want it all now. You want to be on the show right now, you want to be in the main event. You want to be the champion right now. And and I don't think people understand that there's a time and place where those things happen more naturally. So my main advice would be be patient. Your time will come. You know, it might not be today. It might not be a month. It might be in a year, but your opportunity will come. And whether that's to start training or as a wrestler, your opportunities on shows being presented, um, that'll eventually come. And while you're waiting, do things in your life that will help your wrestling. So obviously get in shape, go to the gym, have good cardiovascular shape, take care of your body, do yoga, stretch. Um, if there's outside entertainment opportunities, you know, if you can kind of tailor your career, like if you can get involved in social media or you can be a camera person or you can find things that you can do in day-to-day life that would work and help on a wrestling show. That is such a massive blessing. Cause you know, we have wrestlers or people involved in our company now who We have someone who works for Channel 10 um, as their social media person, and they get involved with us, and they have certain things they can help us with. So mostly I would say find a way to tailor your life to help your wrestling. Obviously do things that make you happy and, and things like that, but there are outside interests while you're not in wrestling that can eventually help the wrestling itself.
0: All right. For, for our listeners here in the Philippines, uh, whether you're listening because you love Survivor or because you love wrestling, where can they catch more of Matty Wahlberg and PWA?
1: So obviously we're all over socials, PWS, PWA Australia, Matty Wahlberg 21. But next Friday, the 12th, we're back on Fight TV. So our first Fight TV uh, card was amazing. And this one's insane. I think the main... You got the main event: Ricky South versus Caveman Ugg. The first time Ugg's defending the PWA title in over a year because uh, of the pandemic. Jessica Troy and Charlie Evans are having a no DQ match. For anyone who knows those girls, like that is going to be ridiculous. And we've got a 30-person rumble as well. So, Fight TV—that's where you can see all our shows now, and and, and I'm excited for people to see PWA live.
0: Well, Maddie, uh, I really enjoyed this interview, and I got to say thanks for just re- being really candid with us, and congratulations on, on uh, the success of your uh, young rock cameo.
1: No worries, so Steve, thank you for the positive energy. I'll I'll, I'll send a DM to Dave Meltzer, so <laughs> 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 I did well, you know. So now I feel a bit better about myself.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Thanks again to Maddie Wahlberg for joining us here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Ooh. You know, I, I didn't know that Dave Meltzer and Jim Cornette were taking a shit on him.
3: Uh, it's probably par for the course because I mean, they have to watch it, it, the shows and then they have to have opinions about the shows.
0: Also, guys, I mean,
2: it's not beneath them to do that. So don't So what more a? You know what more a? Young Ric Flair cameo.
3: I mean, why is it like? I uh, know, but why is it like Maddie's fault? Because I mean. If anything, it should be on the showrunner Ziba. But, you know, Maddie did a good job as Young Chica, Rick Flair.
2: Chica, it's not the point of the show.
0: I mean, yeah, it's, not, exactly. like, it's not like it was called Young Rick Flair to begin with. No, <laughs> it I was yeah. young, Rock
3: in young Rock. It was Young concert. Rock.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, That was one of the uh, funnier stories from the interview. If you're loving these audio-only episodes that we're doing, please keep supporting the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. And one of the ways you can do that is by signing up for our exclusive Patreon program.
3: Right, guys, if you wanna, you know, get all the benefits that come with being a exclusive wrestling wrestling podcast patron, all you gotta do is just sign up on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast. Benefits include Discord community, uh, exclusive show reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, pay-per-views, um, other, you know, other content on our Patreon. Uh, exclusive merch that you can get just by signing up and a whole lot more and a watch, party Wait, watch well. parties uh, oh you watch parties on? Uh, watch parties of your favorite big events and uh, face masks yeah yeah your merch um, yeah uh, all of those you can get all for the low low price of 250 pesos a month again that's 250 pesos a month by signing up on
0: patreon.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast Other content that we're putting out there, of course, if you want to get your daily fix of wrestling news and reviews, you can check it all out on SmartHenry.com. That's SmartHenry.com for your daily dose of wrestling news and reviews. And you can also check out our other podcasts here on Podcast Network Asia. For me, it's my podcast about radio DJs, both past and present. It's called On Deck with Stancy. And for Chino, you can check out the previous episodes of his own solo podcast called The Class Clown with Chino Liao. Uh, If you want to keep chatting with us And keep the conversation going on social media Twitter it's at Wrestling2xPod At Roisbar, At Chino Supersized And at underscore Stancy And as always The weekly live streams are still ongoing on Kumu So please follow us there At Wrestling Wrestling Pod And as Chino loves to say Smash those hearts Send them all in And uh, we'll see you on the next live stream Of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast Until then We gotta get out of here, so huge shout out to Babyface producer Nikai Locanias for putting these episodes together and the rest of the Podcast Network Asia team. On behalf of Romoran and Chino Liao, please stay safe, continue to wear your mask, and don't forget to register to vote in time for 2022. My name is Stan C, and this episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast is in the books. Peace!